0: Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia, and not going to be any recruiting uh, on this podcast because spring football is right around the corner, uh, set to begin on March 7th, which is next Monday. So with that in mind, we want to preview uh, what to expect, some of the interesting storylines, who we think can step up, et cetera, et cetera, all that good off-season talk going into spring football, and we'll start with this podcast that focused on the offensive side of the football. So, Gabby. Off-season football. You ready for it? You here for oh, it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm ready for
1: Mario Cristobal-era spring football, baby.
0: Catch yeah. To be at Green Tree. Spring football. It is fun. It's it's very low-key. And because uh, I think, you know, it's not as intense as in this season. I think you do learn a lot about the players on the record, off the record, because people are just willing to talk more during the spring. Um, So I'm looking forward to the month, just learning about how this staff feels about what they're inheriting um, personnel wise and kind of where they feel like they need to go once the spring is wrapped up. But let's start with quarterback, of course, right? Um, Tyler Van Dyke is definitely QB one going into the season after an impressive 2021 season as a second year freshman. Um you know, I think on the front end, let's just get this out of the way, right? Gabby like Tyler Van Dyke a stud. Tyler Van Dyke arguably the best quarterback in the ACC. Absolutely. Tyler Van Dyke chance to be a first round pick next year if he keeps progressing. So we're saying Tyler Van Dyke is good. Like that's pretty obvious. Um but there's also room for improvement, right? like any quarterback at any level, uh, any ability, there's always way to seek improvement. So that's where I want to start, right? What is an area when you think back to Tyler Van Dyke's first season as a, uh, full-time starter, what do you look back on and say, okay, I want to see him improve here.
1: Yeah. To me, I think, I mean, kind of nitpicking maybe early on in his, in his when he took over and stuff like that, probably consistency, consistency over four quarters. Um, that was something we kind of saw flashes of when he put together the complete game. It didn't feel like m- many teams out there were going to beat Miami uh, when he sort of struggled, you know, especially in those first halves. It felt like those were the games Miami lost. I mean, you look at Virginia, North Carolina, Florida State. Um, so I think consistently really just, you know, playing a full four quarters you know kind of showing up and you know kind of you know getting things rolling early because again when he does that there's not many quarterbacks across the country that are going to put up the numbers that he has i mean he broke the what he broke the acc record for like most consecutive games with 300 plus yards passing and, and three touchdowns um i think just two showing up in those big games in those big big road environments i mean we saw yeah. that florida state game he went up to Tallahassee. Um, you know, kind of didn't really get going the way that he had maybe been playing at home or in just maybe lesser environments. So, you know, he is going to be tested. He's going to have, he has a couple big time road tests, you know, coming up in 2022, you start off with Texas A&M early in the season, September 17th. I mean, that's going to be a tall task for him. Can you show up in that game, you know, with a bunch of people potentially, you know, close to hundred thousand people in Kyle field, you have to go to Clemson, you know, play in death Valley. Uh, Are you going to show up in those big time environments? And are you going to come in ready to play? I mean, Again, when he does it the way he does it, you know, when he's good, he's great, but it's got to, I think he's got to take that next step and be that quarterback every week, every, you know, quarter, every down really.
0: Yeah. And my hope with that is that, you know, that's something that can, uh, improve with experience. Right. I think two of those games that he started slow in were his two first starts. Right. So I think we can chalk that up to that. But then there is the, the Florida State game, as you're mentioning, where he kind of took a step back in what is an important game, pressure-packed game, yeah. road game. To me, you know, that's where like losing the bowl game, it, you know, it it was disappointing because it would have been nice to see how he came out and approached or performed uh, in that game, him and and many other young guys that are coming back here in 2022, um, you know, Washington state, not the biggest opponent, but still Miami hasn't won a ton of bowl games here in recent years. And, uh, I think if Tyler had come out with that opportunity in the bowl game started fast, you know, continued the momentum he closed the season with, uh, it would have been a good sign in that way. And you're right. Looking ahead to Texas a and that's definitely going to be a storyline going into that game. So, but I, you know, I think for the most part, he worked his way out of that stuff that we saw against Virginia, North Carolina. Um, And he had that little bump in the road, so to speak, against Florida state. And then he worked his way out of that as well. You know, closing strong uh, against two Virginia tech and Duke, if I remember right. Yeah. So Uh I agree. We'll we'll see if he can keep improving. I think with experience he can improve in that regard. One thing I looked at, I I noticed when I did a little dive into the advanced stats with Tyler in the 2021 season. And I wrote about this on the website, I don't know, a week or so ago. One thing that stuck out stuck out was he really um he, he really threw the ball, in my opinion, to the right side of the field. So his front side, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is he did not spread the ball around like you would like to see from a big-time quarterback, right? Um, most quarterbacks at the college level are going to have the majority of their throws go to the middle of the field between the numbers. And then ideally you want, you know, the splits to the left side of the field and the right side of the field to be close to even right. Um, Tyler, you know, it was a pretty big split going to the right side. I think it's due to various factors, right? I think Charleston Rambo for the most part lined up on that side of the field. I think Tyler is a young quarterback that was thrust into a starting job, and so it is easier to make those reads to your front side rather than to your back side. Uh, when you're first put, you know, a starting quarterback working his way through that. Um, so just in general, and why is that important? Um, you know, defenses eventually catch on to yeah. that trends
1: that they can follow with when you right. know scouting and all that stuff,
0: right? And so, you know, I think eventually. Um, and maybe it'll happen here to start the season. Right. I think teams will start or defenses will start shading to that side of the field, forcing him to show. Yeah. He can throw, uh, consistently to that left side, to his backside. So again, we're nitpicking here, right. Cause he right, is a yeah. quarterback. Um, another thing too, and I don't know how much he can improve this. I think he can improve this somewhat. Um, just quicker feet in the pocket, I guess, pocket mobility, maybe also just the instinct of, uh, feeling pressure. Um, again, he was thrust into the starting job. So he was kind of learning on the fly. Um, but I think so the, whenever he was so pressure to sack rate is an advanced stat that pro football focus tracks, and his pressure to sack rate was one of the higher ones amongst power five quarterbacks. Um, and so, you know, this is just an area that all quarterbacks can improve, uh, pocket mobility, feeling the pressure, quicker feet in a short area. I think Tyler's even said this after the season that he wants to work on his footwork, um, this off season. So, um, to me, just getting that that pocket mobility a little bit little bit better um, would also help him improve as a player and also, frankly, help his NFL draft stock because those NFL quarterbacks, I mean, it is a requirement to have that sense in the pocket.
1: And I agree, and you just like I feel like someone that's shot up the draft board, like a Kenny Pickett, I feel like that's something that we sort of admired him for just ability his ability yep. to move the pocket and. You know, what we saw him do against Miami, I mean, it was incredible. I definitely agree that that's probably a, a place where Tyler Van Dyke can get better because doesn't move around quite like that. But,
0: you know, that's something you can work on. So how about his backup, right? Jake Garcia. Um, You know, I think his development and his improvement is important, too, this spring. Um, You know, I've always maintained that... One of the factors, you know, we will know that the Miami program is rolling when they have that kind of succession plan at quarterback where they can go from a Tyler Van Dyke um, and Tyler Van Dyke's time is up after a successful career and they can pass it off to Jake Garcia, who is a highly talented quarterback in his own right and have a successful career and then he can pass it off to a Brown or whoever succeeds Jake Garcia. Um, and I think one of the issues here during, you know, I don't know the past 10 to 12 years, um, in some ways was the backup quarterbacks, not pushing themselves to improve even though they were not starting. Um, so I think Jake Garcia is a guy that is self-motivated, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I do think how he performs this spring is important as well. I mean, when, I
1: feel like when this whole thing was happening with Derek coming down, there was people, David, I know that we felt that maybe felt inside the building that Jake Garcia might have had it maybe more than Tyler Van Dyke or people that like Jake Garcia Absolutely.
0: more. I think so, the majority of people. Yeah. I think Honestly.
1: if you, I mean, if Jake didn't get hurt, I mean, I think that, I think we're having, I think we're potentially having a different conversation right now, or we're still yes. even talking about a, a, a quarterback competition going into the spring or whatever it is. So I think the benefit of Jake Garcia taking that next step is, I mean, really, when was the last time maybe a starting quarterback just didn't, like, maybe just didn't have that sense of comfort? I mean, I know Tyler Van Dyke has proven Fair. enough for him to be QB one, and I don't think anyone's really debating that right now. But I mean, I do think in a way, I think he knows that, you know, Jake Garcia is there. And like, if he's not on it, maybe he's not someone that, let's think Jake Garcia is going to bench Tyler Van Dyke, but you have someone behind you that is more than capable of potentially leading this offense as well. So Jake Garcia continuing to trend in that direction. And of course, I mean, I feel like definitely with De'Ara King, you know, between the bowl game and what happened last year in his ACL, we saw, I mean, we've seen, I mean, his shoulder, whatever it was, we've seen how quickly things can change at the quarterback position. And, you know, having that next guy up ready to go, I mean, it's important. You can't, it can't just be one of those things like, oh, if your quarterback gets hurt, your season's over, which we see a lot in college football with a lot of these big time programs. Having that succession plan that you're talking about and just having a guy like Jay Garcia ready to go is is huge just because, I mean, he's he's very talented. And again, just pushing Tyler Van Dyke.
0: Yeah, I think I would argue Miami has the best backup quarterback in the ACC. Uh, I don't know what it looks like nationally, but I would bet they are... One of the better situations nationally as well. Um, And yeah, you're right. When, so during spring, during fall camp, I think even after that Central Connecticut State game, right? I think if we asked most people inside the building, and again, this was a different regime. This is not the current regime, this is the previous regime. So opinions can change from regime to regime. I think most people would have said yeah, Jake's going to be the guy. Jake, Jake's going to be the guy over Tyler. Now, Tyler deserves a ton of credit cuz he went out and did it. He went out and produced and, and he took it. Absolutely. Um and don't get us wrong either. Tyler should be the starter this year. We're not we're not sitting here pounding the table for for Jake. We're just making the point that Miami's backup is highly respected highly talented. Um, and in a lot of ways, Miami is, you know, I don't know if lucky is the right word, but fortunate that he stuck around, um, because, um, Jake Garcia could have transferred to a lot of programs and probably been a starting quarterback in 2022 somewhere. So credit to Jake as well for sticking around, working at his being willing to work at his craft and uh, wait his turn, so to speak, to be the future starter at Miami, whenever that is. Um, Let's move on to the third guy, because it's been a while. I tried to just off the top of my head, Gabby, think about like how, when was the last time I was this excited for a third quarterback on the depth chart at Miami? And we're speaking, of course, about early enrollee freshman Jakari Brown, and i don't know i couldn't i couldn't think of any obvious answer off the top of my head um and again, this is a weird thing to say too but miami could potentially have the best third string quarterback in the <laughs> acc now i don't think he's ready to play this year don't get me sure. wrong when i say that but when i'm saying like potential upside talent level jakaris is very good right and i think when you're talking about a third string quarterback you're basically hoping that that guy can be a starter at the college level, eventually. And I think Jakari definitely can be a starter for Miami in the future. I I think if everything goes well, I think he's got a shot at being an NFL quarterback. Uh, there's a long ways to go there, but uh, you know the early stuff I'm hearing about Jakari, and again, this is all just workout stuff. This is all just academic stuff. The, this UM staff is impressed by the early returns on Jakari, kind of what, what he's showing in these fourth quarter programs. Um, you know, he's getting it done in the classroom, the way he carries himself as a leader, which does matter at that quarterback position. None of this should be surprising, right? From people who knew him at the high school level, followed him at that level. Um, but that is encouraging. And now the next step for him is to go out and show progress. Because I think, you know, I think we're going to have to be a little patient with Jakari. But to me, the important thing this spring is from day one to the spring game. What type of progress is he showing?
1: Yeah, and I just think what I think the encouraging thing with a guy like Jakari, for all the reasons you mentioned, I mean, he is the third string. I mean, really, probably on a plan where not going to play this year, probably not going to play uh, next year and let's say you know I think his third year at Miami is probably the time where he will have a chance to potentially play or you know compete depending on what Jake Garcia right. does and all that stuff like I feel like at the earliest we're looking two years down the road for Jakari and you know just kind of his size everything that he sort of just embodied. I mean six foot four probably over 200 pounds right now I think he has the potential to be a you know, six foot four, 220 pounder by the time it's his yeah. term to. I think he's actually 210 play. now. There you go. I mean, that's, that means you can easily put on an extra 15 pounds of muscle between yeah. now and the time he's actually ready to play. We're talking about, you know, definitely maybe a different style of quarterback, a guy that still needs to develop as a passer, but he's going to have a unique, you know, body structure and body type. And I mean, I think that I think it's just super intriguing to think of him, you know, just projecting to you know, being a redshirt sophomore or whatever it is um, at that point of his career and what he could be then. So, yeah, I'm, I'm super encouraged about, you know, what he can do now in the spring. But with Jakari, I'm just looking like long term. Yeah. And I, I think it's I think it's big time I and mean, just his body type and structure. It's kind of saw what Hendon Hooker did at Tennessee last year in the SEC. I think he's better. Like I think he has a higher yes. ceiling than a Hendon Hooker type. So, you know, to have a talent like that potentially, you know, following, you know, potentially two quarterbacks from now. I mean, again, that's why I, David, I know you're feeling really optimistic about the QB situation at Miami and uh, I'm right there with you. He's a
0: guy you bet on, right? Especially sure. when you have long-term, a, a long runway to place that bet, right? Um, he's just sharp, man. And and you bet on guys that have his mentality and have his approach. Um, so we'll see. There's a lot of work to be done. I think Jakari would be the first to, t- to say that. Um but uh, I think he will get there when it is his time. Let's go. Is there anything else to touch on with quarterbacks? Should we jump over to running back?
1: Yeah, let's move over to running backs.
0: Running backs. Um, I think I want to start this discussion here. Is there a lead running back on this roster?
1: I mean, I feel like maybe independently, I guess there could be someone who would be a lead running back, but I just feel like collectively – I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure if this is a running back room where you kind of want to choose a guy and be like, all right, this is going to be sort of the dude that gets it done for us. Um, You know, I I feel, I mean, I think all of them have done it at different points of their career. I mean, Henry Parrish, who was like like the third string in Ole Miss last year, has the best rushing numbers of any of the guys there. Uh, Jalen Knighton, we kind of seen what he does, you know, in the passing game and, you know, just how explosive he can be. Don Chaney. Again, we've seen the flashes, but hasn't really been able to stay healthy. But if he is, you know, we think he could be a, a big time back. So, you know, potentially, like talent-wise, maybe there's a lead running back. But, I mean, again, as a group, I mean, I, I wouldn't – I'm kind of cool with a, 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 a committee approach with, you know, these types of guys. You know, just with the way the room's filled out, I feel like the skill sets complement each other in a way. And, you know, friend, for, with me, it's the freshest legs, hottest hand. You kind of roll with, you know, the guy that you sort of need to in any
0: given situation. Let's, let's discuss lead back with Jalen Knighton, right? Because he was essentially the lead back once Cam Harris uh, was injured. Um, I think he finished the year with 560-ish yards in eight games, rushing yards. Um, I went back and looked. That was the lowest total for a lead running back that Miami's Miami's had you know, this was a very quick search. So since 1992, um, and again, there's some context there. It was only eight games that Jalen was available because of the suspension in the, in the first month of the season, but still, uh, 560 ish yards, 3.9 yards per carry, which is a tough, a tough number to, uh, excuse, um, and we all see the big plays, right? Like, there's no denying Jalen Knighton is a talent. Um, is he better? Like, I think it's fair to say this, too, right? Mm-hmm. Miami's offensive line wasn't very good at run blocking last year. Yeah. If the offensive line is better at run blocking, can a guy like Jalen Knighton be more productive? I think so. Um, but let's just assume, right? This offensive line. Isn't going to be significantly better at run blocking. I'm not sure Jalen Knighton is suited to be the lead running back. I I would, I think you could use him in the passing game for sure. That's how I would generate touches with him, and that's something Josh Gaddis did a really good job at at, at Michigan um, with his running backs. I think he had three running backs last year, total 20 catches, I believe either 20 catches or 20 targets. I think it's 20 catches. Um, And no other power five team in the country had that many um, in terms of three, three backs with at least 20 catches. So uh, I would get Jalen Knighton involved more in the passing game um, and kind of like you were saying, spread the wealth with the carries. Um, Do you think Henry Parrish can be the starter? the Ole I mean, Miss I, transfer.
1: I do, and I, I don't know. I, I think this could this could, could potentially be a hot take because he is a newcomer. He is a transfer, right? But he also has the most familiarity with Kevin Smith, who's the running backs coach for Miami now. Uh, both of those guys obviously came down that from Ole Miss together. Yeah, it does. I mean, I feel like one, Kevin Smith knows Henry Parrish. Henry Parrish knows what Kevin Smith expects, how he coaches, the way he sort of goes about all of his stuff so i feel like in a way while henry Parrish is the you know quote unquote new guy in the running back room he ha- probably just understands what kevin smith expects more than any of those other guys who have been around the program for the past few years so you know i do think that henry Parrish can potentially be the starter um again i think just from a, a strictly running standpoint i think it was 5.1 uh yards per carry uh last yeah. year at Ole miss you know i i put up the numbers kind of I think he's built more just after kind of seeing him in person, you know, just being around UM, you know, for the recruiting events and all that stuff. I think he could potentially be the guy that at least opens the game up for Miami. So, you know, if I were betting on a starter right now, like who's gonna be on the field for the first snap of the game when they open the season, my money would probably be on Henry Parrish.
0: Yeah, I don't think Parrish, of course, is as explosive as Knighton. Um, but I think Parrish probably has a little bit better vision. I think his contact balance is better, which is a skill, right? I mean, Miami was really bad in short yardage situations last year. That's partly due to the offensive line being bad, uh, generating that push, that initial push up front. And it's also the running backs not having the vision slash contact balance to turn, you you know, needing one yards or two yards into three yards, four yards, five yards, right? Um, so, yeah, I and I think it's worth noting, too, that Henry Parrish, probably the best pass protector of uh, the three older guys, speaking of Jalen Knight and Don Chaney and Henry Parrish. So, I don't think Henry Parrish, like, honestly, like, if we're talking just frames, I still think Don Chaney has the biggest frame. Oh, yeah the biggest body type of those three, um, Don, you know, probably he's out for the spring cause he's still coming back from his leg injury. Um, and he will certainly be a, in the mix once he's fully healthy too. Um, but I think I'm with you. I, I think if I was going to predict which guy, you know, assuming both are fully healthy, which guy gets more carries, I would probably say Henry Parrish. Um, if we're gonna to say touches, I think Henry Parrish and Jalen Knight might be about the same, right? Yeah, right I, can I can for sure. How about the younger ones? Um got a little bit of playing time last year. Thad Franklin and Cody Brown as true freshmen. They are they are bigger ba- bodied backs, um, which I think it's fair to say Mario Cristobal prefers. Um Do we think there's a chance one of those guys can take a next step and steal some carries?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think both those guys, I mean, showed flashes, you know, throughout their true freshman seasons, obviously got a great opportunity with, you know, Cam Harris out and Don Chaney out, you know, both those guys had to sort of step up. It seemed like Cody Brown early on was kind of the guy that they leaned towards. Bad Franklin, I feel like the back half of the year kind of, you know, started to put together some some nice runs and stuff like that. Of the two, I mean, I might lean Thad Franklin if I'm thinking of one of those young guys who could potentially take that next step, you know, has been in a college system now for a while. I know coming out of high school, that was maybe the thing that he maybe had to get in better shape. Um, I think just all this time he spent at Miami, you know, over the course of the spring, the fourth quarter program, I think he could potentially be a big body. I mean, we saw the numbers he put up at Shamanad Madonna, a big time talent when he gets it rolling. I mean, we we can talk about those guys too, but let's not forget Travante Citizen is coming into the room. I think that they are extremely yeah. excited about him. I mean, this is a a top 110 player in the country. You know, a guy that they were able to snag from SEC country in Louisiana, who obviously was getting you know looks from LSU, Auburn, Florida down the stretch. Miami beat you know stiff SEC competition to land him, and you know this is a guy that they're very very excited about. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I can look at Cody Brown, Thad Franklin, but I'm also not ruling out Trevante citizen, uh, potentially coming in and pushing those guys to, you know, maybe not get a ton of carries with the three older guys, but you know, if things get dicey and let's say, you know, like we've seen in the past with injuries or whatever it is, I mean, I, I would not be surprised to see Trevante citizen come in and get a, a, get a look from these guys.
0: Yeah. Citizen citizen will be a guy to watch when he arrives in the summer, um, of these guys though this spring I do think so to me Thad Franklin it's all about conditioning and practice habits I think if if he has those two areas buttoned up I I think he can push for a pretty good role um there's no doubt there's no denying the guy has talent um he's he's not as like fast of course as the, as the smaller guys on the roster um but he generated some big plays yeah. Um, in the and second like, half of the season. Just
1: as a short yardage back, you know, like that guy that yes. can maybe get you that one or two yards, like, you know, goal line guy, just on those, in those fourth and one situations or fourth and two situations, I feel like Miami constantly found themselves in. I mean, I think that Franklin's a guy, again, when he, if he puts it all together, um, you know, I think he's a dude that you throw in there. I mean, that a lot of ACC, you know, defensive linemen and linebackers aren't going to want to you know, go, you know, helmet to helmet with or whatever it is. Uh, you know, I think that he's, I think he's one of those big body guys that can definitely fall forward.
0: Fourth quarter running back Thad Franklin could be a problem in that role. If he's, if he continues to improve and progress Cody Brown, I just need to see more, right? I feel like last year they tried to give him every opportunity to succeed and, you know, just need to see more, um, more production. It's all about production. Uh, wide receiver you know Miami has to replace two productive veterans from last year Charleston Rambo Mike Harley both guys trying to um, play at the professional level now Um, so I guess the question I have Gabby is who who will be the alpha receiver this year because I do think you know I do think it matters having a number one clear cut go-to guy at receiver, whoever it may be Uh, coaches. If they don't have one of those guys can always spin it as no, we can make up for it with our entire group. Uh, I just, I don't believe that. I think you need a guy that the quarterback knows when the chips are down, I can go to him and and we can get a first down or a big play. Um, So, and this is honestly one of the position groups I think we'll learn, you know, right, a lot about. But going into this off-season football, who do you think will be the alpha receiver?
1: Yeah, I- I'm not married to this at all. I, I can definitely, I'm definitely interested to see the receivers as much as anybody else. Um, just kind of following trends. I mean, just what we saw last year with Charleston Rambo, how he came in and was a top receiver for Miami a few years ago. We saw the same with KJ Osborne come in and. You know be the top receiver um you know Keyshawn smith maybe didn't take that next step i know xavier strep was another guy and you, ha- you have to feel optimistic about the young guys as well but i mean i might lean frank ladson you know from what i get he's really healthy i mean we talk about what miami really doesn't have on the roster we're looking six foot two plus 200 pounds plus uh frank ladson kind of you know checks those boxes i mean we asked him at um david very up front hey man how much do you weigh he said 207 pounds um you know he was a uh, a sub 11 hundred meter guy coming out of high school. So definitely has some speed, Um, you know, so I'm kind of, I can kind of see Frank Ladson maybe stepping into that role as a veteran who has obviously played a lot of big time football, maybe didn't, you know, put up the numbers that you might've hoped he would have at Clemson, but I think comes down here with a fresh start. And again, if he's healthy, uh, I could see him being, you know, sort of taking that leap and being the number one guy that, you know, I've, I guess we've seen the past few years Miami sort of bring in and, you know, have that sort of success. Not saying he can't be one of these other guys or one of these young guys can't step up up and have, you know, big second years or Keyshawn Smith can't be a vertical threat. But I think Frank Ladson's a guy that's positioned to, you know, potentially be the alpha in the room.
0: I think ideally it would be Frank Ladson. Um, I want to see, number one, I want to see an alpha personality. You know, I think KJ Osborne, was a transfer that had that all day, just a total pro. I think Charleston Rambo developed that during his time at Miami. And I think that's a big reason why he improved so much from Oklahoma to Miami. Um, And so I think that would be the hope for Frank Ladson as well. Um, And also, too, he needs to just show he can stay healthy. right? Um, Because that's really the reason why things didn't work out at Clemson. My answer, and I, I, I am also not married to this. I, in some ways, can't believe I'm saying this. But honestly, I think it might be Xavier Restrepo. I think I think he might be the safest bet to yeah. lead the team in receiving yards. Now, what, what does that mean? I don't yeah. know what that number is, you know? But I think he could be the, the leading receiver this year. Um, you know, you look at Mike Harley in 2020 slot guy played, you know, he finished with 799 yards and seven touchdowns Braxton Berrios, who, you know, I think Restrepo gets, would get compared to by most fans, even though I, I would contend they're different players. I think Berrios has more speed, um, but Barrios led the team in receiving with 679 yards in 2017. Um, so maybe somewhere in that range, I could see Xavier Restrepo um, producing. I think, you know, he played right about 300 snaps last year um, and, and totaled, I think, 300-ish yards. I forget the exact number. I think it's fair to say the, you know, that snap count is going to double. I think he'll be around 600 ish, uh, maybe even a little more. And I think it's fair to assume that his receiving yard number will double be in 600 ish range, maybe more. So um, I don't know. I, I would, and I'm not like pounding the table saying he's a stud number, you know, NFL player, et cetera, et yeah. cetera. But I think he's a good productive college, potentially productive college receiver um, that has a good rapport with Tyler Van Dyke, their roommates.
1: I was about to say, that's a, that's a, that's a great way to like, that's another like connection to sort of make like those two are very close. They have like natural chemistry where they hang out. They like, they coach Def Con's like 10 U team that Xavier Strepo's yeah, little yeah. brothers on. Like they coach that together. So they are really good friends as well. And when we're talking about an alpha personality, I feel like Xavier Restrepo yes. sort of has that a little bit too. He has like some dog in him too. I think he has a lot of dog in him actually. Yes. And so, you know, a guy that's willing to sort of, you know, lay out, make plays, definitely probably the grittiest wide receiver yes. on, on, you know, Miami's roster right now. Definitely could see him sliding into that Mike Harley slot role. Probably going to be a regular starter for Miami. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I, I'm not sure he's, he's like that deep threat guy. He's just
0: not the most talented guy, Yeah, right. Exactly. Which I, I think he would admit as well, right? His game, like you said, is gritty, but he does make plays. So. Yeah, he makes a ton of plays. He and runs result. clean routes
1: and all that stuff, and I think he's a, he's a guy that
0: can, that can get open. Keyshawn Smith, what are our feelings there? Because I feel like I'm a little harsh on Keyshawn, but yeah. I don't know, man. I, like, I can't ignore... I just feel like there's something missing. I I feel like him and Tyler need to get on the same page better than we saw in 2021. He played, he, Keyshawn played a lot last year. He played 684 snaps. He finished with 405 receiving yards. Um, I went and looked, Gabby. He played, so 456 of those snaps were on passing snaps, which was 18th most amongst power five receivers. His, his receiving numbers though, his receiving yard totals ranked 130th in power five, um, amongst receivers. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta produce more when you're on the field that much, in my opinion. Now I do think Keyshawn has a lot of talent. I think he could flat out run. I think he can jump, um, my take, I think him and Tyler just need to get on the, on the same page more. Um, but what are your expectations on Keyshawn this year?
1: Yeah, I'm not really sure. I feel like he's, just, again, just that guy that sort of needs to take that next step where it always felt like he, it kind of it felt like he had that big play potential, you know, whenever he was sort of on the field, on the outside, you know, his ability to just, what are you talking about, just run. But it just didn't turn into a lot. You know, it just, the production wasn't necessarily where you might have, where maybe I thought it was going to be coming into the season. You know, I thought that he was maybe going to be, a little bit more or I mean again get plenty of opportunities but it just never felt like he was the go-to guy it never really felt like he was just like the top option maybe Charleston Rambo had something to do with that but um you know I think if anyone from a body type standpoint from maybe even like skill set I feel like Keyshawn Smith maybe has some of that but again I just don't know if he's actually done enough for me to feel confident and say Keyshawn Smith could be this team's leading receiver or like true number two receiver I think that maybe the talent's there but I just can't, I can't go there based on what we've seen from him. And again, I think he showed flashes and I feel like maybe the back half of the year, maybe we saw him, we saw him get in the end zone a little bit more and all that type of stuff. So, you know, maybe he comes into the spring and in the summer and maybe this fall, he kind of takes that next step, but he's someone I'm looking at as a guy that needs to take the next step. If he does take that next step, I think he makes Miami's offense way better because he's definitely got some skill and some big time speed.
0: So before we transition into the three amigo talk, uh you know, the three young guys, the second year players that are highly talented, but still need to earn a role, which one of these three, you know, quote unquote veteran guys, Restrepo, Keyshawn, Latson, which one of those guys do you feel like is most vulnerable in terms of, I don't know about like, I think they're going to get snaps no matter what, but like most vulnerable in terms of like being a rotational player. I mean, I might, I might lean Keyshawn Smith just because, I mean, I think
1: some of these younger guys are talking about like Jacoby George. I feel like one of those types of guys could potentially come in and do a lot of good things and, you know, potentially steal snaps. I don't think that, I mean, I don't know, maybe not Restrepo, maybe Ladson just because he's kind of new. And again, we don't know how healthy he can be. But again, I mean, I feel like, I feel like Ladson and Keyshawn Smith are two guys that really have to come in and, and prove a lot and just prove that they can sort of do it. So um, I might lean Keyshawn right now. But I could see being, I, mean, I could see Ladson maybe not panning out, maybe the way Miami sort of hopes he could um, just based on a lot of the things that we've seen throughout the course of his career to this point.
0: Yeah. So if I'm Josh Gaddis, right. Who is Miami's offensive coordinator slash wide receivers coach. I am doing everything I can to give these young receivers a chance to take a job, right. Jacoby George, highly talented Romelo Brinson highly talented, Rashard Smith, highly talented. Um, each, each one of those guys I think can play, you know, a different role. So I don't think they're necessarily competing against each other, but they are competing against these older three that we just finished talking about. Um, and, you know, I think generally speaking too, right, uh, the top three receivers play at least 500 snaps. Do we see one of these young three playing 500 snaps in 2022, or is that just going to come in 2023? Cause again, Restrepo was the fourth guy last year and he played about 300 snaps.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I could see it. You know, I could see one of these guys really stepping up and, you know, carving out a significant role, but Again, I just feel they're promising, you know, like I'm excited about those guys, but do we know for sure that they are like, you know, the dudes? And I feel like that's still to to be determined. You know, we obviously saw flashes from all of them. I mean, Romello making that, you know, circus one-handed catch in in the end zone. I mean, Jacoby George showed that he's, you know, a really, you know, pretty route runner and that he can get open and create space. And once he does, you know, he can definitely make some big time plays. Brashard Smith, we saw the explosiveness And his ability to just, you know, really just run past everyone. But like, we need to know that these guys can do it consistently. And if, you know, I I don't, I don't know if one of these guys is going to take that next step. I could see it, but I think we have to actually see them do it or know that they can do it before I sort of, you know, say that, yeah, one of these guys is definitely going to play, you know, X amount of snaps, 300 snaps or whatever it is.
0: Who do you expect to be the fourth
1: receiver then? I don't know, man. I I feel like you kind of started to sell me on Jacoby George. I know that he's your boy. Um, I know that – I feel like he could potentially be the guy. I mean, I really like everything about him. You know, even coming out of high school, watching him play in high school, super encouraged by him. Um, I think Brashard Smith could, you know, really, you know, be nice in the slot. I think he could be an outside guy too. I mean, I saw him make plays all over the field. I don't know. I feel like I can't – I'm not sure right now that I could say, like, who's going to be the fourth. I would probably – put. I think the safest bet right now might
0: be – Ah, uh, Jacoby George, though I'd probably go Jacoby. I'm, I'm very. I don't. I'm intrigued by Bouchard as well. Um, he is like of those three. He was the leading receiver of those three. Yeah. Um, which I think might surprise some people, uh, because he played the least of those three. Um, but yeah, I mean, I am curious to see. Which one of the – maybe all three of them do. Take the next step and uh, really push for a starting job. Um, and, yeah, I, I am intrigued by Jacoby George. I'm intrigued by Romelo too, though, honestly. Um, I could see Romelo taking a job on the outside. Um, but, look, bottom line here with receivers – Lots of competition, which is only good for the group. I'm just not sure that there's a number one guy, like a number one alpha receiver guy. No. Um, At least not pre-spring that we've seen so
1: far. Like, right? You, I feel like you can you can convince me on a couple different guys that you know could be the number one receiver when it's all said and done. Definitely don't have that guy right now. We're just like, you know,
0: super obvious that this so is the guy that's going to step up. Is there an 800 yard receiver on this roster like in 2022? On this roster right now, because you look at it, 800 is kind of the line of demarcation, like hasn't happened much in the last 10 seasons at Miami. Um, you had Charleston Rambo last year, of course, Amon Richards in 2016, Philip Dorsett twice in 2014 and 2012, and then Alan Hearns in 2013. Should be noted, my Carly barely missed it, 799. Um, do you see an 800-yard receiver in 2022? I mean, I don't,
1: but I think if there is going to be a guy that does it, I honestly, I would probably lean Frank Latson just because he has like, again, the, yeah. the sort of the speed, the, the, the body type, you know, the veteran sort of dude. I don't know if we're going to see one of these young guys take that next step and become the 800-yard yard be receiver. I yeah. think the only way it happens is if Frank Latson truly emerges as the number one guy. And he, you know, gets to that mark. I don't know if anyone else is going to get that high.
0: I agree. I think maybe I would, I would, maybe Keyshawn can do it. But yeah, I think if he gets going for those young guys, I think the hope should be 500 yards. If, if Jacoby George or Romello or Burchard can, can turn out a 500 yard season, that's extremely encouraging um, as a second year receiver yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I have a hard time seeing it as well. Um, but we'll find out more this spring. Do you think let's end the wide receiver discussion here? Do you think portal help is needed still, or is it fine just with the group they got?
1: I mean, I feel like if a name of like a name emerges, I mean, I wouldn't hate the idea of them maybe going out and getting another guy. And again, I don't say that because I'm not confident in the young guys or anything like that, but in college football, like, you can't, you can't just sort of go ahead hope. with things. Yeah, you can't hope in college football. You can't think, oh, we think this guy could take the next step or, th- or anything like that. I think after the spring, if no clear number one has emerged or one of these guys, you know, get hurt or whatever it is, I mean, I'm looking, man. You need to – you have a – you know, you have a potentially big – I mean, potentially the best quarterback you've had at, at the program since, like, Ken Dorsey or whatever it is, just from a pure talent, t- talent standpoint – you need to surround him with weapons, and you know I wouldn't be too worried about hurting feelings or anything like that. If you feel like you need to go get a guy, I think you go get a guy because you can't. You need to give. You need to surround Tyler Van Dyke yes. with weapons. This is the year that you have Tyler yep. Van Dyke. I mean, you're probably not getting him back in 2023. So put whoever you put the best talent around him. If you feel like you need to go get a guy, you know, go get one. So I definitely wouldn't hate it. I guess we got to kind of see how the scholarship numbers shake out and all that type of stuff. Probably not the top priority for me, but if there is a guy that you feel like could help you that decides he wants to move on or whatever it is,
0: I mean, I go get him. I agree. And one of the reasons why the 800 yard receiver discussion is interesting is because they do have a quarterback who can get that done. Right. So it's kind of just up to the receivers. Someone step up, take it. Um, And I'm with you. I think it has to be kind of an obvious no brainer type. Um, That can be that number one guy. Um, But if there is one there, they should definitely make a run at it. Tight end. Um, Will Mallory back fifth year at the college level. Um, So let's start there. And let's just frame it, the discussion on Will Mallory this way. Is is this the year he puts it all together and becomes like a 500-yard receiver at tight end for Miami or are you expecting the Will Mallory we've seen the last two years which is pretty good pretty dangerous tight end but a little inconsistent with drops you know key drops in big situations and also early in his career fought some injuries here and there that that hasn't been as much of an issue the last two years Um, but I guess what I'm asking is Should we expect Will Mallory to take another step forward or is this what he is?
1: I mean, I just feel like as a fifth year guy, I mean, maybe you get better. Maybe the numbers look a little prettier, but I'm not sure we're going to see some like astronomic leap from Will Mallory. I feel like we've kind of, we kind of know who he is at this point. Yeah. Struggled with drops. Maybe he cleans that up a little bit, which would be big. Um, You know, that obviously hurt Miami a few times. I mean, potentially swung the Michigan state game. Uh, you know early on in the season who knows what how that game sort of plays out had he catch caught that touchdown pass um so you know i'm not sure i'm not expecting some like crazy you know will mallory breakout year anything like that i feel like we kind of know who he is and that's fine there's nothing wrong with will mallory being sort of who he is i think he's a a solid acc tight end yeah he's definitely a threat in the passing game um you know i think you know he's a i guess respectable blocker or whatever it is um
0: Eh. You know, so, eh, but I know, but I'm just like,
1: I, I'm not Can expecting... he crack
0: 500 yards.
1: I, I, I don't know.
0: I think it's I, tough. Cause I... if you look at it, right. Clive Walford in 2014, he did it. David Njoku in 2016 did it. Brevin Jordan in 2020. And this is the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, so three guys, I think three guys that are all, I think it's fair to say better than Will Mallory. Um, so yeah i mean i i would i would say four hundred ish yards um but again, Tyler van Dyke is his quarterback, which does help boost all passing slash receiving numbers um anything else on will
1: no, nah, i could see four i like i think the over under could potentially be like three ninety nine and a half like does he go over under four hundred yards i mean i think that would be a fair line for him.
0: Do you think part of that is because Elijah Arroyo might be taking some of his snaps? If you look at the snap counts from last year, I think Will played the third most snaps of any player on offense, and it was like, I don't know, 65-ish per game or something. Yeah, 65 per game for Will. Um, I would expect Elijah Arroyo to play more this year, which might mean well, let's just frame it this way. Should they rotate those guys or should they go to two tight end sets more? Which would you like to see?
1: Yeah, I mean, I could see, I, 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 wouldn't hate, I wouldn't hate it either way. I mean, I think Elijah Arroyo, I mean, as a true freshman, maybe it's a big ask for him to play a ton. Maybe that's why Will Mallory got a lot. But as a second year guy, um, you know, I would definitely expect Elijah Arroyo to take some of those snaps away from Will Mallory. Um, I wouldn't hate some two tight end sets just because I do think Will Mallory is a uh, respectable enough pass catcher to be a threat i think elijah arroyo is too i think elijah arroyo is potentially one of the more talented guys you know on the offense and just what he sort of brings uh in the passing game and all that stuff so um i would like to see more of just elijah arroyo just because i think he's more of the future i think he has a higher ceiling and all that stuff but um the two tight end sets again with both them being you know strong pass catchers and all that stuff i think could help miami you know with just sort of what they want to do in terms of just running the ball just being sort of multiple and all that stuff so um you know, I, I guess maybe I would like to see Elijah Royal more independently just because I feel like, again, with Brevin, I mean, that was kind of like what we had a lot. So I feel like uh, I'd probably lean more that way. But I wouldn't hate seeing both those guys on the field at the same time either.
0: I think the two, I'd like to see more two tight end sets in situations compared to what we've seen, you know, during the Rhett Lashley era. I'd like to see it more inside the red zone, I'd like to see it more short yardage. Um, And yeah, I I would like to see more of a rotation uh, when they go to one tight end looks with Will and Elijah. Um, I do think Elijah is a better blocker than Will, which makes you more multiple on offense when you have a tight end that can do both. Yeah, Um, And if you look at, you know, Josh Gaddis, like any good offensive coordinator is going to tailor his offense to the strength of the personnel. You look at what he did at Michigan last year, he played three different tight ends, at least 300 snaps on offense last year. So, um, he found a way to, to work the tight ends into the offense last year. I think Miami's tight end group is more talented than what he had at Michigan. So I'm excited to see what his vision is for using them before we move on to offensive line. Let's, let's just briefly talk about Jaleel Skinner. Um, I think he's a guy who's extremely talented. I would probably say in my opinion, I'm not expecting him to make much of an impact until 2023. Um, but very long, very athletic, uh, what do you expect of Jaleel in 2022?
1: Yeah. Um, again, I, I probably don't expect much. I mean, I feel like tight end three, if he's healthy, could maybe be like a Mamorelli type for like blocking situations or, or things like that. I'm not sure if Jaleel Skinner, I mean, maybe early in the season, you know, Bethune Cookman, uh, you know, if Southern Miss gets out of hand or middle Tennessee gets out of hand, I could see him, you know, potentially getting a chance to, you know, just sort of, you know, get on the field in the college game, but long-term at least in 2022, You know, just throughout the course of the season, ACC play, you know, obviously big non-conference game in Texas A&M. I don't really expect to see Jaleel Skinner on the field a ton. Uh, I just think he needs to build his body a little bit more. I'm sure a lot of Miami fans maybe haven't seen him in person. Um, Definitely needs to put on weight. He definitely has like a lankier sort of body type. Um, Watching him, you know, just his senior year, kind of still a little bit like awkward moving a little bit. Almost has like a basketball type of body. Uh, still, that's kind of like you know still figuring out how to like move around completely. So I think he still has a ways to go athletically and just you know as a you know route runner, as a pass catcher, all those types of things. So um, I mean I think he has a, a high ceiling and I think he's one of those guys if he puts it all together he could just be like a legit like you know big big yes. time talent. But I just don't think he's there yet and I think he could use you know a red shirt year to kind of just you know continue to develop phys-
0: physically. I don't think like he's as ready as like Elijah was no. when he no. came you know, and Elijah played, I don't know, a hundred snaps. I don't yeah. know. Um, one thing from the tight ends too, then we'll move on. I'd like to see more touchdowns from this group. Um, I'd like to see like 10 touchdowns from tight ends. Um, you know, there, I think Miami's touch, uh, tight end scored five touchdowns in 2021. I'd like to see double that. Maybe that's a little ambitious. Um, but it has been done, you know, Will Mallory, Brevin Jordan combined for 11 in 2020. Uh, David Njoku and Chris Herndon combined for 10 in uh, 2016. So um, I think Will Mallory and and Elijah Royal can do some damage in the red zone from a touchdown standpoint. And I'd like to see that number bump up Uh, offensive line. Um, it's an interesting group, Gabby, because, um, you know, I, I would argue that they were actually pretty good in pass protection last year, um, particularly in the second half of the season. Um, one of the better pass protecting groups in the ACC during the second half of the season. Uh, but from a run blocking standpoint, the group was one of the worst in, in the ACC and amongst Power 5 teams. Um, so let's start there. What do you feel like is is like a fair jump to expect from a run-blocking perspective from this group? Because they're about to be heavily coached, right? Yeah. Mario Cristobal gets hands-on with this group. Alex Mirabal, the offensive line coach, one of the best in the business. Um, and both those guys, uh, emphasize the run game, run blocking, um, how much ex, you know, how much can we expect Miami to improve in that run blocking phase phase up front, um, this spring and going into the season?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I would hope it improves, you know, I can, maybe it's ambitious, but I mean, I would think it it gets much better. I think that's something that they're definitely going to attack between Mario Cristobal, uh, Alex Mirabal, those guys, you know, I feel like they had a a good chunk of them returning, you know, get Jalen Rivers back eventually. And, you know, a couple guys that I think you can feel encouraged about. Um, I think they were, I don't know if I'm getting this right. They have a dead last in the ACC in terms of just like a run blocking unit or just like very close to the bottom. Yep. Um, I would I mean, I would hope that they at least improve to be in in the top half of the ACC. I don't think that's something crazy. I mean, you got your left tackle coming back. Um, you definitely got, you know, an all conference guy and DJ Scaife coming back. Definitely a couple of pieces. I think Jalen Rivers. I mean, what we we saw what he did early on. He was probably Miami's best offensive lineman before he got hurt. Um, so I think there's reason to be encouraged about, you know, how much better it gets with the coaching and all that good stuff. Um, a couple guys that they brought in, like Logan Sagapolo. Let's see how much he impacts all, all that or how much he factors in, but he's someone that's big and strong that could potentially get some push. Um, I mean, I, I, I want to see how much the coaching sort of matters here. Obviously, offensive line, obviously an extremely developmental position. So maybe with guys like Mirabal and Mario Cristobal just being so hands-on, uh, you know, they take that leap. I don't think that there's a lack of talent on the offensive line. I mean, I don't think it's great but I think that there's enough there where they can, you know, just agree. be better. Um, you know, I'm not asking them to be, you know, the best run blocking team in the AC or top three or anything like that, but I don't think that middle. they should be worse. Yeah. They should be at the very least. They should be, you know, maybe the top half of the middle of the pack, you know,
0: I agree. Um, and we should say on the front end here at this offensive line discussion, Jalen rivers, fair to say he's going to miss the spring. Yeah. Um, uh, I think the same could be said probably of John Campbell too. Yeah. Um, so those are two guys, honestly, that would probably be in the starting five. So that's tough, but you know, it provides opportunities uh, to young guys to to step up and try and take a job. Um, so there's two metrics I think that are interesting here when discussing run blocking, right? One is pretty easy, straightforward tackles for loss allowed. Um, that's, quickly one way Miami can get better, uh, with run blocking is eliminate those, um, you know, or make an improvement in that area. They allowed 6.75 tackles for loss last year, which ranked 108th. Um, they were also really bad at that in 2020. Um, so you got to stop giving up those negative plays. And then advanced stats, right? Football Outsiders has a metric called average line yards, um, which basically gives offensive lines credit for rushing yards, like 100% of the credit on rushes that go uh, between 0 and 3 yards, Um, 50% for rushes that go from 4 to 8, and then the rushes of 9 yards or more. 100% of that credit goes to the running backs, right? So it's a metric that tries to to measure how much of a rush is due to an offensive line compared to a running back. Um, That metric had Miami 96th in the country. Uh, Oregon was ranked second in the country in that metric. So. Yeah. So that's encouraging, right? I mean, different personnel, but still the results were there, um, in year, what, four of the Mario Cristobal era. The other one that's interesting power success rate. So that's a stat that me- that measures the percentage of runs on third or fourth down that are two yards or less to go that achieve a first down or a touchdown. Right. So, third or fourth and second or or one or whatever. um, How much success is a team having in those situations when they run the ball? Which anecdotally, I think all Miami fans would think Miami was awful last year at that, right? It just seemed like they never converted those situations. (laughs) And the stats back that up. Miami was 110th in the country in that measurement. Um, Oregon was 10th. So Mario Cristobal, Alex Mirabal coached up an offensive line that could generate run push. Yeah. Um and so we will see, you know, these metrics I'm naming, Miami's in the 110th to 95th range. I think in 2022, let's see if Miami can make the jump up to the 50s, right? right. Yeah. Um, I think that would be a win, right? I think that would definitely be a win because there's still work to do on the personnel side of things. Mm -hmm. So let's just say, let's just discuss like what would be in our opinion, a good run blocking bunch. Um, if we're going left tackle to right tackle and we'll include the guys who we think will be injured for the spring and, and out. Um, but I think fair to say we'll both agree Zion Nelson left tackle.
1: Yeah.
0: So he's cemented in. I think there's a lot of room for improvement there with Zion. Sure. I'm I think glad a, he came back. I think that's big that he came back. I think a key for him this year is staying healthy this whole off season. Cause he kind of has been getting some bumps and bruises going into the year, which limit his time with working out, putting on weight, et cetera, et cetera. I think if he can have a fully healthy off season, it would really benefit him. Of course, um, kind of hitting the ground running. Cause I think we saw last year, You know, he had that fall camp injury time. Um, He didn't really start hitting his stride until like ACC play last year. And then it was like, okay, there's the Zion Nelson that can be a, you know, first team, all ACC offensive lineman if he puts it all together for an entire year. Um, So Zion Nelson left tackle. I, I don't know about you, Gabby, but like I'm approaching this with like a fresh slate. So like, I know maybe where guys have been slotted in the past might skew how we view them. Yeah. But I'm interested in exploring different options at different positions. Okay. What do you got? So so like, I'm very much into like, like I think, and and honestly, this discussion for me starts at center. I know Jakai Clark, is a returner at center. I know Ja'Kai Clark did an okay job at center last year, but it, I would look at that as like the floor. Like we know what Ja'Kai Clark can be at center. Let's see if let's see if we can plug some different guys in there that might give a little more. Um, I think DJ Scaife has a skill set that could be intriguing at center. I think Justice Olawashon. Has a skill set that might be intriguing at center. If I'm those two, if I'm those guys, you know, two veteran guys, um, I would embrace that because I think their best NFL shot is at center. Um, I think Logan Sagapolo, I think, should get a look at center. Yeah. The
1: he was he was he was who I threw in at center when thinking about like a run blocking offensive line. I think Logan Sagapolo could be a guy that that maybe. that maybe yeah just a strong guy that's going to get pushed man i mean i think they need some of that and also a guy that's been around that oregon offensive line i mean they're talking about him you know getting first team reps i'm not sure if it was that center but you know in that fall camp before he got hurt you know he could have potentially been a guy that helped that oregon offensive line put up those you know impressive advanced stats that you talked about david i mean i could see him being in center and just being one of those guys
0: Lawrence seymour i think should get a look too um he is a second year player now. I, at the high school level, he was very aggressive with the way he would block um, as a feisty offensive lineman. So I, I think know. he's in better shape, too. I mean, I saw him at uh, the Dade
1: versus Broward at the Dade practice, um, you know, just kind of hanging out. And, you know, coming out of Central, I was just like not super sure about his body type. And I think he still has a ways to go, but I do think he's changed his body some since arriving at Miami
0: are you, do you think I'm crazy on the DJ Scaife and Justice
1: thing? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of for all options right now. I don't think anything right now should be pre sort of meditated or predetermined or anything like that. Like, yeah, DJ Scaife was like an all conference card, but you know, if, if there's a rotation that works better and if that's something that would u- ultimately help, I mean, you kind of got to play around with this again, the personnel is not where you want it to be and it's not bad, but I mean, I don't think that there's a set five here that, you know, you can just sort of be married to right now. I don't think that there's like a right guard that you're like, this is our right guard or this is our right tackle or this is our center. I mean, maybe Jalen rivers. I mean, it depends if you even Dave, I mean, you're talking about moving guys around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could potentially be a right tackle, you know, like is he definitely the Miami's left guard? Like I don't think we have any of these answers yet. I think outside of Zion Nelson, you put together a five and I think you test it out and sort of see where it works best. And I'm sure Alex Mirabal and, you know, Mario Cristobal and Cody Woodill and all those guys are all looking at that and, and probably feeling the same way. Like we got to figure out what five works outside the we'll yeah. four next to Zion. that, you know, how we're going to line that thing up. So I could see a ton of different rotations. You know, I know the, the depth charts and, you know, oh, blank and blank is getting first team reps at left guard. And, you know, on the first day of spring practice, like that's all going to be a thing and that's all going to be talked sure. about. But I think this is far from being settled.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's what spring is for, right? Yeah. Figure out what you got. Um, and I'll say this too, right? DJ Scave Justice, I think if you put them at center, like if they are your centers, I think that makes you a more athletic offensive line because I think it allows you to put better athletes at the guard spots and at the tackle spot, if that makes sense. But again, I think Ja'Kai Clark did a fine job at center last year. I'm not like saying he needs to lose his job. And if he ends up being the guy for the job, then he's the guy for the job. Um, I just think things should be explored, especially with a fresh set of eyes, with Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal. um, We discussed Lawrence Seymour. Are there any other young... Well, let's let's start here too. Let's quick right tackle. What do you envision? Like I've kind of made it clear... I think Jalen rivers would be a pretty good right tackle. Um, but there's options there, right? I think you could go DJ Scaife there. Yeah. I think you could go John Campbell. I think there's young guys where we'll see if they're ready to go, but like Isaiah Walker and Michael McLaughlin makes sense as right. Tackles. I, I think more so for the future, but maybe they're ready this year. I don't know. What are your kind of early thoughts and also justice, right? Justice. Yeah. Started some games there too.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like I'm honestly pretty open minded about the right tackle. Like, I could see Jalen, you know, being a right tackle. I think John Campbell. I mean, is someone that I would like to see maybe lock. I think ideally, maybe I'd like to see John Campbell come in and maybe you know be able to fill that in. But I do like Jalen as like an interior guy. Again, he could be a tackle type of body too. But you know, I think John Campbell is someone I'm definitely intrigued by. I haven't seen a ton of him just because he's kind of gone through injuries and you know all that all that good stuff. I mean, Michael McLaughlin, I mean, I know we've talked about it, David, just like, you know, his background and stuff is is something that typically, you know, maybe sort of leads to being a successful, maybe offensive lineman in the future. I don't know if he's ready yet, but you know, a guy that is a converted tight end, you know, uh, you know, I know, I know that that's a sort of background that transitions. Well, you know, when we're talking about, you know, the combine and senior bowl and just the NFL, the athleticism of being a former tight end. And that's who Michael McLaughlin was When he, I think, came from Delaware or something, and you know, started at Stoneman Douglas as a tight end and made that transition, and you know, I think he's someone that maybe down the road could be interesting at tight end. I'm not sure if this year is the year for that. I doubt it, Um, but you know, I'm definitely intrigued by him. I mean, DJ Scape. We've seen him do it. We've seen him sort of not be very good, um, but we've also seen him sort of be okay. So um, I'm kind of in wait and see mode with right tackle, just because I think that there's a few guys that could potentially end up winning that job. Um, over the course of the spring into the fall. And when, you know, those guys like Jalen Rivers and John Campbell are sort of ready to go, assuming that's the summer.
0: Any other young guys intrigue you? We've talked about Lawrence. We've talked about McLaughlin. Or any other guys, I guess, that aren't really, haven't really played much that maybe deserve a look?
1: Yeah, I don't know, honestly. I feel like those guys are probably it right now. I mean, with Ryan Rodriguez, I know even last year, like he wasn't even really dressing I know that they wanted to get him to a certain weight. So maybe he's probably just not there yet. Yeah. Um, yet. I mean, Cleveland Reed is a guy, I guess, that is a name um, that he's been around the program for a while, I guess. Maybe not considered young, but maybe someone who knows that, I don't know how he develops, maybe could provide some depth. Usman Traor is a guy that started at one point, right? Did he start a game for Miami? I'm pretty sure he did. I think or he maybe... started
0: one game, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, honestly, not a ton of young guys that I'm super optimistic about, I'm not sure where Chris Washington is. Did he transfer? He didn't transfer. Did no, he? He's, he's, he's still, still there. Like, like that's, like, I mean, still Chris Washington is another name that they were excited about when they recruited out of Tennessee. He has the, you know, the ideal size at like six, seven. I mean, maybe with a new resume, maybe he becomes something who knows. Um, but that's what springs for. So I guess we'll see if any of these young guys can step up.
0: Yeah. I, I am intrigued. Just physical ability, Isaiah Walker, right? If, if, yeah. I'm just worried about him like between the ears. Sure. If that stuff, you know, if, if he has managed that stuff and is good to go in that regard, um, you know, he's a guy that could definitely crack the two deep at least. Um, but yes, you're right. He needs to make sure everything's in order and, and good and healthy. And uh, that's what spring is for. We'll see if, if he can make a move up the depth chart. Um, do you think portal help is needed on the offensive line?
1: Yeah. I mean, again, it's kind of like my same mentality. I mean, there's no, I mean, I, I would take an offensive lineman all day if they could. I mean, if there's, again, if there's a name that comes up, that feels like it makes sense. I mean, I would go get someone. I mean, I feel like there's a few positions there. There's not a lot of positions on this team right now where I would say, you know what, probably don't bring, like, I think we're good. I don't think we need another guy. Um, I would definitely go get an, another offensive lineman if you can, just because imagine you have two of potentially your top offensive linemen missing the spring. Um, you don't really know how that's sort of going to go. And again, there's not a lot of guys that you sort of look at and are, are sure things. I don't think there's many sure things or if anything, a sure thing on this offensive line. So, I mean, I go get a guy, man, I'm all for it. I'm all yeah. for improving the roster through the portal. I'm all for adding depth. If that's something, I mean, we, we saw we kind of needed it last year, uh, with all the guys that they rotated in and out of the of, of the line and all that stuff so
0: I, I would go get a guy if there's someone that they feel like can come in and help I agree I think you know kind of has to be a no-brainer so like a guy that has started and, and had some success um, because yeah I agree like if if you look at your offensive line and you have to squint your eyes and like convince yourself like yeah this guy could kind of you know he's he's got the goods to maybe be pretty good chances are it's not going to be a good situation. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that they, if the right guy's there, go, go at another offensive lineman if you can't, sure. um, let's go big picture now and we'll kind of wrap this podcast up, which new coach on offense excites you most.
1: I mean, it's Alex Mirabal easily uh, just because I think the, I, the importance of the offensive line to me, I think it just starts up front there. I think in the ACC, if you can sort of, you know, get the trenches, right. I think everything else will sort of work itself out. So um, especially with the quarterback like Van Dyke, I think if you can keep him upright and you can give him you know, an extra counter two to sort of go through his progressions, I think he can be big. If you think if you can open up those run, those, you know, those holes on the offensive line for the backs, I think that they could have big years too. So I think Alex Muirball's is big, man. And just knowing that Mario Cristobal is also, um, you know, so involved too, uh, really just whatever they got going on yeah. on the offensive line probably excites me the most.
0: Yeah. I'll just to, for a different answer, I'll go Frank Ponce. Um, just cause I, I I am intrigued by the idea of they have a quarterback coach who's not necessarily the offensive coordinator. So he can just kind of devote all of his energy and time into Helping those guys improve at their craft. Um, so I'm I'm intrigued by by him in that role. Um, biggest question mark you have you hope to have answered in this spring?
1: Yeah, it's something we touched on earlier. I think really the wide receivers, is anyone gonna step up? Who's gonna sort of emerge? Um, are any are the young guys gonna kind of take that next step? Um, are they going to sort of, you know, are we going to have different expectations for those, you know, three sophomores, you know, going into the summer and into the fall? Um, you know, is, is, is Frank Ladson going to be healthy? You know, is he, can he potentially be that alpha, that number one wide receiver? Um, I'm going to be looking at that unit a lot to see because, you know, I think Van Dyke naturally makes those guys a little bit better. But I feel like if those guys can take that next step too, I think, you know, obviously we're looking at explosive plays. That's something we talked about a ton last year. Obviously, something Miami did a really good job of generating, you know, the back half of the year. So definitely want to see some of those guys step up and, you know, make Van Dyke's job a little bit
0: easier. I agree. I think that was going to be my answer. I think so to switch it up, I will go with right tackle. Right tackle. Even though though they're missing bodies, I'm curious – who's going to end up being the right tackle during the majority of the spring. My guess, you know, with, with Jalen and John, probably out, it would be DJ Scaife, but I am curious like who else would get some work in there. Um, So it'll be interesting. Miami, the offense will score more or less points in 2022 compared to 2021. And you can't say about the same. Yeah. You got it you gotta you gotta pick more or less. what are you going with?
1: I'm gonna go more just because I think Tyler Van Dyke just gives him a chance to put more points on the board. I think the schedules up, I think it's probably a little bit easier this year too just a, a few more you know maybe lesser opponents between yeah, between Cookman and middle Tennessee State and Southern Miss I think that's a chance for them to score a lot of points too um, so I would probably go more. I think you hope that that's the trajectory they're on they just go higher. Uh, with the quarterback, you know, I think that would be a good thing for Tyler Van Dyke for the offense. And um, I think they're, you know, I think maybe the offense is maybe a little bit more balanced, might not have the number one wide receiver, but maybe a few more healthier backs, maybe a better offensive line. I think you probably have to hope that they go a little bit higher.
0: So it's 34.1 points per game last year, number 23 in the country. So like, what do you feel like is like a fair point per game average this year? are you willing to 30 right so are you willing to go 35 like how higher how much more are you expecting
1: wow okay okay i'll say this
0: michigan last year right josh Uh gaddis 35.8 so they were 16th in the country
1: okay i'll go like i just consider i think the big 10 is probably maybe a better a better a little bit better of conference i i think there's better skill position i think there's better quarterback let's go I'll go 36 and a half. Let's be, let's, let's okay. have some
0: fun with it. I think that that could be possible. I reluctantly agree that I think they will score more points, which is weird to say. Cause I, I like, I don't necessarily love like outside a quarterback. There's piece Like I love the quarterback situation. There's pieces. um I like about the rest of the offense, but there's still, Questions that I, you know, I'm not sure they can answer or what. Um, but for the reasons you said the schedule's kind of soft, um, you know, Texas and m and Clemson are salty defenses. Yeah. Outside of that, I don't know, maybe Pittsburgh, but mm-hmm. Miami seems to be able to score on Pittsburgh here yeah. lately. Um, so yeah, I'll say more than 34.1 points per game. Also, too, Tyler Van Dyke, second year, that matters. Um, And he does cover up a lot of these issues that do worry me. Um, Biggest storyline on offense you're going to watch?
1: Biggest storyline on offense I'm going to watch? I mean, I think – I think it's just kind of obvious, just like, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, you know, taking that next step, potentially being a premier quarterback in college football, um, potentially, you know, being the best quarterback in the ACC. I mean, I think him and Sam Hartman are probably up there for, you know, in talks of the best quarterbacks. So, I mean, I just want to see, I mean, since I have been around, I mean, really the only quarterback that I've seen be like maybe really good at Miami uh probably brad kaya might be the best quarterback of like my tenure i guess of just from what ouch. i can recall so De'er yeah man king
0: says ouch
1: yeah okay Deer king fine dear king when he was i guess you know that 2020 season was pretty exciting but still just like a quarterback that's just going to spin it all over the place i mean i'm going to be really excited to see you know solid quarterback play a potential first rounder uh right. quarterback that coming level. out of miami yeah just yeah. like that caliber of quarterback i mean just to me that's something that's really exciting again I've I mean, my dad always told me growing up, you know, in college football, it's all about the quarterback. So, you know, if Miami has that, I think he makes everyone around him better. So I'm excited to see Miami have a really, really strong quarterback play and a guy that could potentially play on Sundays. So um, for me, that's the, that's the storyline.
0: I like that. I also, I'm curious, just his backups too. Um, yep. How do they perform? I will go with offensive line. I, I'm very curious on the feedback we get from Mario Cristobal on his offensive line he is that's his area of expertise um you know he's inheriting a group that is not of the caliber he has worked with since his FIU days probably it's
1: probably been a while since he's worked with an offensive line like this right
0: right so and I'm not expecting him to come out and like straight up dog him, but I think if we we might have to do some reading between the lines. Oh, for sure. But I am curious just what his feedback is on his group on that offensive line. Because he's gonna wanna, you know, he's gonna wanna lean on those guys uh once once he has his program rolling. Um and so I am curious if he's still going. I basically what I'm getting at is I'm not sure they're going to be able to run block like he wants to run block. Yeah. And so I'm curious if he's going to then be willing to say, yeah. okay, we're just going to have to throw the ball a lot more. And
1: like not force the issue. I wonder how, how much he's going to force it or like make, try right. to like, yeah, let's see how much he adjusts. Cause it's definitely going to be a style, you know, I feel, like I, the Ross, I feel like it's built like a, like a style that he's maybe not wanting to play or not. Like it's a
0: finesse personnel yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. And I do think he will improve it. Like, in the ways he'll want to improve it. Uh, but is it going to... Is it the best way to win games? Yeah. Is Is... And, you know, we'll find out together, right? So, uh, that's it for the offensive podcast. Preview for the spring. We will drop a defensive preview. Man, this one went long. Uh, on Friday. So... Uh, hopefully we didn't ramble too much. Hopefully that was enjoyable to listen to. Uh, we got a lot to of get off our chest with with off season football. It's spring
1: football time, man. It's time to go. Like we gotta, yeah. we gotta do it.
0: We gotta attack it. Anything's on the table. Xavier Restrepo, the alpha receiver. Oh yeah. I mean, come on. Who doesn't? DJ want Escape this? at
1: center. I mean, we're we're getting into the nitty gritty <laughs> over here.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? All right. Till next time. Take care.